Hey everybody, it's James Lindsay. You're listening to New Discourses Bullets, where I give a short, tight bullet point summary of a single topic so that you can understand it better. I think this is going to be a fairly important episode. I want to talk about kind of the scale of normalization, because we don't normally talk about it as a scale, and I think this adds a lot of clarity. So just kind of dive right in to keep this tight. Let me make a point. What we hear a lot about is like, whether it's in terms like gender affirming care or destigmatization of this or that or normalizing, and we kind of hear all these different words celebrating. Turns out these, these occur on a scale. And it is in the vested interests, for example, of queer theorists, better known as queer Marxists, to obliterate that. In fact, it's also in other domains of critical theory or critical Marxist thought to obliterate this scale and to confuse people within it in order to achieve activist goals. It is to the advantage of the Marxists who are blurring the boundaries between categories to make sure that people aren't sure which of these things that they're operating in. They want people to be confused between what it means to destigmatize something and celebrate it, for example. So let me give you some examples. First, the scale. Then we'll talk about some examples of different things that fall in different places of the scale. So kind of on the far end, we have destigmatization. So on the one side of this, there's something that's been stigmatized. And on the other side, there are things that we no longer consider stigmatized. So we're not going after them. We don't consider them to be great evil taboos. Etc. So destigmatization is the first step in this scale, and I'm going to give four parts to it. A little bit up from that is the concept of normalization. You're now going to consider something to be normal or relatively normal on the other side of this scale. So this creates already we have things that are stigmatized as deeply taboo, deeply immoral, uh, degenerate, or whatever you want. And then there are things that we don't consider as that, but we don't consider them to be normal. Then on the other side, there are normalized things. And then that can be something that's merely normal and thus end of story, or it could be something we go a step further and affirm. And then beyond affirmation, there's celebration, which is kind of this beyond affirming that something is whatever it is, uh, we go even further and, and put positive, put effort into making it a positive uh, point of celebration. And so the four steps of this normalization scale of some phenomenon, and as I'm laying this out, would be destigmatization, normalization, affirmation, and celebration. Okay, so that's four steps. What are some examples? Well, it's easy to think of something that we should keep in the present circumstances that we should keep fully stigmatized. Pedophilia. Pedophilia is something, and you can think of other sexual taboos that shouldn't be crossed. Bestiality, I hate to say even these words. Um, necrophilia. There are some really, really incest bad things here that we do not want to destigmatize. They should remain stigmatized, particularly pedophilia, because we must protect our children. This is under assault and threat right now. We must protect our children. But there are things that should stay stigmatized. Queer theorists, as if you read their literature, are clearly incapable of understanding this. I've done podcasts uh, on incest. I've done podcasts talking about uh, child pornography in the queer theory literature. I've done podcasts uh, talking even about man-boy love or cross-generational sexual relationships. Uh, the queer theorists want to go at, not only to the point of destigmatizing through terms like minor attracted person, MAP, or MAP, 
to destigmatize pedophilia. Um, they that that will the, they see this scale as a slippery slope or as a accelerating slope. So they want to go even further. But it starts with destigmatization, and once you destigmatize, these activists will push it uh, pedal to the metal. But so it's easy to think of some examples of things we want to keep stigmatized. Mostly, we're talking about tremendous um, sexual taboos, but there are others. Um, cannibalism would be another. We want these things to be stigmatized. They are stigmatized for very good reasons um, that, that are somehow central to what it means to be people and in a functioning and healthy society. So we want those things to be stigmatized. So what's an example of something that you might destigmatize, but not that you would want to go so far as, say, normalizing? What's something? Well, mental illness is a good example. Why would you want to destigmatize mental illness? Well, we don't want people who are mentally ill to feel like it's such a taboo and awful thing that they're unwilling to seek help. The point of destigmatizing mental illness, or maybe even to some degree, but maybe not all degrees, uh, sexual illness, uh, sexually transmitted diseases or diseases or other diseases, we want them to be destigmatized in most cases, but we don't want them. So we don't want that strict moral taboo, but we don't want them to become normalized. We don't want them to be normal. We don't want them to be that level of acceptability because we want people to seek treatment. So the uh, mental illness is kind of a paradigm example something we don't think we need to add a stigma to. There shouldn't be this stigma added to it, but we don't want to normalize it either. So something that can be destigmatized but not normalized would be mental illness uh, for certain. So on the stay stigmatized, we could talk about pedophilia, but normalized, but uh, not normalized, I mean, but destigmatized, we might be talking about, for example, mental illness. We want people to seek treatment, and that was the point of destigmatizing it, so they would be willing to admit they have a problem and seek treatment without embarrassment, without feeling uh, like they've committed some, well, they're on the great wrong side of society. Okay, so now the next step up is normalization. What is an example of something we might want to normalize, but that celebration would go too far? And I would argue very quickly that most matters of uh, identity are going to go into that category. For example, um, gay equality was something. Gay people are normal people. The end. So we wouldn't want to go any further necessarily than that. We don't need to go further. Gay pride, actually, in my opinion, goes too far. But we do want it to be considered normal. It's not a big deal whether or not somebody is or isn't gay. It's not a big deal whether or not somebody has a particular racial category, something like this. So we have this idea here, there, then that, uh, and this gets a little gray, I will admit, as we go forward, but this is something that we would want to normalize, but it's not something that we want to go so far as to say affirm, uh, something like you know, being gay, make it normal, make it no big deal, let people live their lives, keep it out of children, keep it to yourselves like everybody else should be doing over for the most part about their sex lives or whatever. If you have your romantic life and it shows you're on a date in public, who cares? Like live your life, no big deal. So we should want that in my opinion. And I know some of my more conservative audience will disagree with me and I think you're wrong and you can deal with that. Uh, We would want that to be normalized, but we would not want it to be affirmed gay pride goes too far. So the next step on the scale, though, is affirmation. What's something that we might uh, 
we, we've just gave, given an example of something we would want to normalize but not affirm. So we've talked about things that should stay stigmatized, things that can be destigmatized but not normalized, things that can be normalized but not affirmed. What's something that we might affirm? And I would actually argue quite controversially, I think, that ethnicity and nationalism or national identity are both kinds of things that we might want to affirm. I think it might actually be healthy, but not to go so far as to celebrate. That goes too far. With nationalism, that's where you get all these kind of specters of the bad nationalist stuff, the jingoism and all of this. Uh, healthy nationalism comes with patriotism and comes with these kind of positive attributes. Identifying yourself, you know, saying, well, you know, I'm a Vietnamese American, so here's my Vietnamese culture. You, that's your ethnicity. You don't have to, but it seems okay and often valuable in a pluralistic society like the one we have in the United States or in a, you know, broadly speaking, uh, highly trafficked cosmopolitan global world that we kind of live in to have a bit of this affirmation of ethnic identity. Where I said it gets a little gray here is I disagree with the kind of folkish belief at the heart of things like critical race theory and at the heart of things like... Um, kind of queer theory where you're leaning into the word queer as a positive discourse of identification. I don't think, and you know, where, where you have these kind of identity political identities that you then mistake for an ethnicity. I don't think that that's good. So this is a little gray, but I don't think that, especially in a situation where it's not terribly relevant, where you don't have to assert some affirmation to get attention, like gay pride's not necessary. I think there's a big difference. I don't think being gay is an ethnicity, and I think treating it as an ethnicity is a mistake. I don't think being black is an ethnicity. There are lots of people with black skin that have different ethnicities, so it's clearly not correct. Being Asian is not an ethnicity. There are lots of people with different ethnic backgrounds who are either East or South or whatever other kind of Asian, Middle Eastern, so East Asian, or sorry, uh, Near Asian or whatever they call this. So that's an example of something we might affirm but not go so far as to celebrate. And then we have the category of celebrating things. And of course, what the queer theorists want to do, what the critical race theorists want to do, what the Marxists in general want to do, is take anything that they've considered an oppressed identity and take it, pretend that it's stigmatized so they can slide it all the way to celebrate. Black is beautiful. That's celebrating. We don't need to go that far. Black is fine. Fine is good. Fine is good enough. Uh, we don't have to have some kind of celebrate your queer kink day. We definitely don't need to have celebrating your 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 any of your kinks. Like keep it in your bedroom. Fly your freak fl fly your freak flag all you want in your house by yourself and away from children. Um, by all means. So we don't have to celebrate these things. And this compulsion to celebrate these things is inappropriate. Uh, what we might want to celebrate. Are, are things that are truly, you know, aspirational, like reaching high levels of merit, reaching high levels of, of accomplishment, um, solving major problems in the world, being a paragon of actual virtue in the world. Celebration is something that we really should be reserving for people who are doing something exemplary and uh, outstanding, not merely being anything. And so just to summarize, we have this scale of affirmation or scale of normalization operating and we don't have enough clarity around it. That's the point of this episode. So the clarity I want to add is to realize that there are at least four positions here. There's the line between stigmatization and destigmatization. There's another line beyond that of normalization, another line beyond that of 
affirmation and another line beyond that of celebration. And these things are, we need this clarity because there are things, as I just mentioned, examples in each one of these categories. And each one of these categories needs to be guarded and protected because they are what the hierarchy they create creates functioning societies. There are things that should stay stigmatized or things that should be destigmatized but not normalized or things that should be normalized, but not affirmed things that should be affirmed, but not celebrated. And then at the very tip top, there are things so worthy that we should be celebrating them. I think it's a clarifying thought to think about it this way and to think about how it's attempting to be uh, flipped around or dissolved using this kind of um, making up for a reparational thinking, uh, reparative thinking to correct for past oppression or past abuse or whatever. And so that's, I don't think a good remedy. I don't think it's the way to go. And I think that when we understand the differences between these categories, we can make better decisions and have better conversations and more clarity about these different categories and keep things where they belong. And especially because pedophilia should not be destigmatized. I think that in the present circumstances with what queer theory is doing and advancing, um, pushing a child, grooming a child into even a cult sexual identity should be stigmatized, heavily stigmatized. And so since there are these things, I think we need that clarity uh, between like say being gay, which should be normalized and um, grooming children into sexual confusion, which should be heavily stigmatized. And they are trafficking in the same space. So I'm hoping this adds clarity. Uh, Thanks for listening.